Welcome back to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm Dan Carson, pastor of Family Ministries here at Calvary, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and invite you to come and worship with us at Calvary Baptist Church. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and you can find out more information at calvaryfayetteville.com. If you have questions, call us at 479-442-4634 or email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com. Now, on today's podcast, Pastor Kirk is beginning a four-part series as we head towards Christmas. We'll be looking at Isaiah 9. He is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, the Prince of Peace. Let's listen together. Uh, We will, by the way, for the remaining Sundays of this year, of December, be in this very same passage each Sunday. So you may want to go ahead and put your bookmark in your Bibles there, and we'll be coming back to it, uh, Lord willing, uh, next Sunday as well. Birth announcements are a wonderful way of sharing and spreading joy. Would you not agree? I mean, it's always... Uh, kind of a neat thing when you get a birth announcement from maybe a dear family member uh, or perhaps um, uh, a close family friend. It's always a time of celebration. Nowadays, you're more likely to see it maybe on Facebook than you are of getting something in the mail, but there's, there's nothing more precious than the picture of a newborn baby. I don't understand, however, how somebody can say, oh, that child looks just like the mother or just like daddy, or just like Uncle Filbert, whoever it is, you know. Babies look like babies. They always look a little bit prunish when they're first born. And understand, mine did, and so did yours, so don't anybody get mad at me for saying so. But birth announcements are a very special thing. Well, this is the second Sunday of Advent, and we're looking at one of the most studied and one of the most celebrated Bible passages at Christmas time. It is Isaiah's birth announcement of a coming Messiah. Now, it's a most unusual birth announcement. It is unusual in the fact that it is quite a lengthy announcement. It begins actually over in chapter 7 of Isaiah, verse 14, where it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Now, that announcement begun in chapter 7 continues into chapter 9, verse 2, with these words. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness On them has light shone. And something that you and I cannot fully appreciate is just how dark the world had become up until the time that Jesus was born. He was a light shining in darkness. Well, maybe we can imagine it because these are pretty dark days today, are they not? And uh, Jesus, the light still shines. And then our text, beginning in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for it. And so Isaiah's birth announcement of Jesus is not only acknowledging his first birth, but these words about the government being upon his shoulder and all of this, this extends all the way through his second coming, his second advent, and the kingdom that is to come. In other words, on this baby's shoulders is more power and more authority than all the kings and emperors of the world throughout all the ages of time. Jesus is unique. Now, this prophet Isaiah wasn't trying to write a modern birth announcement. This announcement reveals some very uh, important things that describe the distinctive splendor and uniqueness of this particular baby. Now, let me go ahead and just kind of warn you. I want to mention four things that make this announcement unique. But all that is to introduce the body of the message and the application that's going to be four more points. So after I give you four things, don't get all excited. There's still four more to go, okay? Keep this in mind about this birth announcement. Number one, this announcement is sent really early. Really early. Every birth announcement that I've ever received or was sent to our home always took place after the baby is born, right? Isn't that the way a birth announcement goes? But this one is different. This one comes before the birth of that baby, not just before, but seven hundred years before. Isaiah saw some things revealed to him by God the Father and wrote them down 700 years before they took place. Now notice that this birth announcement is about a baby that there's going to be a two-fold nature of this particular child that's coming. And it's described in these words, to us, a child is born. Now, I want to say to you that as special as that is, if it's your child or your grandchild or mine, there's nothing unusual about a child being born. Isn't that true? A child, children are being born all the time. There will be 140 million people born in this world this year and another 140 million next year. There's going to be some 384,000 that will be born just today, Sunday, December the 4th. Nothing is unusual about children being born. A child is born, but this speaks to his human nature. Jesus was and is, and in Isaiah's description, Jesus will be, Emmanuel will be, 100% human. 
But at the same time, a child is born, a son has been given. For this child to be born, someone had to give him up as a son. The only begotten son of the father. For Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, for this one human to be born uh, that we celebrate at Christmas, a son had to be surrendered up and given by the father. It had to take place that the father would turn to his son, the creator of this world, the creator of humanity, and he would say to him, son, now it is time for you to go and redeem your people. And on that day, to the sound, I believe, of absolute silence, Because even the angels of heaven did not understand this plan. They had no idea how God was going to save and redeem his people. On this day, they saw Jesus get up from his throne and walk out of heaven and was placed as an embryo into the womb of a virgin teenage girl in a little bywater town known as as Nazareth. And in that moment, the eternal became flesh. The creator became a part of his creation. A son had to be given. That speaks of his deity. A child is born, his humanity, 100% human. A son is given. It speaks of his deity, 100% God. Now you say, I don't understand the math of that. 100% and 100% adds up to 200%. That's just your way of counting. It's not God's way of counting. Jesus was 100% both. Now listen to me. That's only happened one time in history. Not uh, 384,000 times a day. Not 140 million times a year. It's only happened once in all of human history. Just think of it. Jesus had an earthly mother, but no earthly father. He had a heavenly father, but no heavenly mother. That's so hard maybe to grasp. That's why it requires faith to believe God's truth. And there's a key truth in all of this, and it is this. God's son from heaven came to be born as a child here on earth for the express purpose of redeeming the lost race of humanity. All right, that's the first point of our introduction. Somebody say amen to that. Here's the second point. Isaiah announces a royal birth. This isn't just a birth announcement sent sent early. 700 years early. This is a royal birth. Why? The government shall be upon his shoulder. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over over his kingdom. In Luke's gospel, chapter 1, we hear another announcement ringing true about this, stating his royal birth, where it says, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This will be a royal birth. Number three, the baby is given four different names in Isaiah's account. 
And each name tells us what he will do. Something about who he is and what he will do. His name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. One name wasn't sufficient to describe this special child. Isaiah, along with Emmanuel, gives four more names. And four, number four, these names belong only to God. Nobody else. Nobody else. Some people say and believe theologically that Isaiah is describing two kinds of birth. One that would take place of some leader in the days of Isaiah and the other of the coming Messiah. But understand, these words and these names and these titles can only fit one person. It can only fit God, the Son of God. Each of these four names and titles are reinforced throughout Scripture. Maybe not by the same words, but by the same work. For instance, as wonderful counselor, we see him guiding and leading his people by divine wisdom. We're going to talk more about that in the remaining time we have this morning. But don't we see God leading and guiding his people with divine wisdom throughout Scripture? We see him here as mighty God. And as mighty God, he has demonstrated his power over and over again, over nature, over demons, over disease, even over death. So he is a mighty God. Here he's named also our eternal father. He is the one without beginning or end. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the one who will come back for his own people. He's the one that's prepared eternity future for you and me. He is truly the ancient of days. He is our Prince of Peace. And as our Prince of Peace, He is the only one who can bring lasting peace to hearts and lives of hurting and sinful people. People like you and people like me. I hope you can see in these names and titles how that the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 ring true where it says, And my God shall supply your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now over the next four weeks, today and the next three Sundays following, concluding on Christmas Sunday morning, we're going to look at these four names and explore them a little more closely and understand how it is God providing for your need and my need. By the way, do you know how many names and titles there are for Jesus in the Bible? If you were to start in Genesis 1-1 and go to Revelation 22-21 and underline every name or title that refers to Jesus, do you have any idea how many names and titles there would be? Well, you're going to find that it's somewhere a little more than 260. 260 names and titles, each one ministering to us in a different way, helping us to see Jesus like a, a brilliant diamond from every angle, from every side you see a new facet of who he is and of how he works in your life and mine. 
Well, wonderful counselor, what do you make of that? All of us need counseling at some time or the other, do we not? But our errors seem to fall in one of two ways. By our nature, we are either those who basically don't want to hear anyone's counsel. Can I tell you, I tend to want to fall in that category. Or we err the other way. We just listen to what everybody says and we try to meet everyone's expectations. Which one of the two are you? I heard a story about two bums sitting on a park. Is that politically incorrect? Well, okay, just bear with me, okay? Two down and out bums sitting on a park bench, and one of them brags to the other one, I am a man who never followed anyone's counsel or advice. And the other one says, well, here you go, shake my hand because I'm someone that tried to do what everybody told me to do. Whichever way you err, you're likely to end up in the same place, a bum on a park bench somewhere in a city park. So we've got to be careful how we err in this. We need to listen to words of wisdom, not human wisdom, but those who know God's wisdom. And that's why we all need counselors from time to time, but I want to suggest to you, listen now, it takes a good counselor to beat no counselor. Sometimes we have the idea, well, if we just get, quote, some counseling, it'll help. No, I've known of people that got some counseling and it was the worst thing in the world that ever happened to them. All counsel is not the same. You need to listen to the counsel of people who follow and know the wonderful counselor who is Jesus Christ. Now, let me say one other thing before I give you these four application truths. The adjective wonderful, when it reads here, wonderful counselor. And understand, there's no punctuation in the Hebrew or Greek language that, that really kind of breaks things up and, and, and helps us to understand. There's no verse, uh, enumeration, there's no chapter divisions, it's just continual. And so translators, wise men have gone through over the years and helped put the Bible together by dividing chapters and verses and even punctuation to help us follow it. But some say wonderful is a name all its own, that there's five names here. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor. Mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. But then uh, many will say, no, wonderful is an adjective describing counselor, but it's not like you and me using the word wonderful. Like the second half of the Razorback basketball game yesterday was wonderful to listen to. You go into halftime barely five points ahead and you end up beating the other team by like 38 or 48 or however. That was wonderful. Everything they did was good. But it's not like saying, well, that was a wonderful basketball game or that was a wonderful meal or so-and-so is just a wonderful person. It's not that kind of descriptor. The word wonder and the forms of it in the Bible, in the Old Testament particularly, it implies deity. 
This could be translated, he is our wonder counselor. Wonder is a word that is describing deity. It is the same as saying supernatural. It's the same as saying incomprehensible. Sometimes it is translated in the Old Testament of something being too high for us to be able to grasp, to understand, let alone to attain to. He is our supernatural counselor. He is our incomprehensible counselor. He is a counselor that is too high for you and me to ever measure up. And his counsel, because he is wonderful, because he is deity, he is indeed a counselor like no other counselor in the world. So with all that in mind, here's what I want to do. And these thoughts, some of these thoughts were not original with me. We preachers, confession. We get ideas for messages from all kinds of places. Commentaries, books we read and study, and one another sometimes. And there is a pastor in Georgia, I believe his last name is Mixon, who had some of these thoughts and that triggered some thoughts in me, how true that is. And so maybe it's a different way of looking at at this message of Jesus being our wonderful counselor. Let's contrast human counseling with divine counsel. Let's compare a worldly counselor that you might seek their services compared to our wonderful counselor who is Jesus Christ. Number one, the earthly counselor must ask to know your need. They have to ask you questions. The wonderful counselor knows your need even before you ask. In other words, if a counselor is to give you helpful counsel or advice or suggested directions in a problem you're dealing with, in a situation that you have that you need some, some uh, outside uh, help with. Understand, they've got to ask you questions. They've got to come to understand you and understand the nature of the problem before they can hopefully give you some helpful counsel. That's why they ask those questions, because they are not omniscient. They don't know everything. And that's why oftentimes it's difficult for us to get wise counsel, because we are not always forthcoming in how we answer their questions. We're having problems in our marriage. So one or the other goes to a counselor and is looking for counsel, but what do we do? We put ourselves in the best light. And so they only have half the story. Well, a human counselor must ask questions because they don't know you. They can't see your mind. They can't see your heart. They don't know your past life. They don't know what road you've traveled. So sometimes they ask a lot of questions. Sometimes what appears to be even unrelated, but they have a way of connecting the dots. But they've got to ask you before they can help you. But this wonderful counselor knows your need even better than you know it yourself. 
this counselor knows you wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y. He knows you completely. He knows you utterly. He knows you better than you know yourself. This counselor knows your talents and your gifts. He knows your sins and your weaknesses. He knows your history. He knows all about you. The earthly counselor must ask about your need. The wonderful counselor knows what you need before you ask. And do you remember the words of Matthew chapter 6 verse 8? You'll recognize them. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is talking about the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the counselors and advisors of the day. And he says, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. He knows your past. He knows where you've come from. He knows every experience of your life. He knows every moment of your existence. He is the wonderful counselor because he has all the knowledge of our past in his heart and mind. And guess what? Of all the billions of people in this world today are the multiple billions that have ever lived. He's got every detail of every action, of every thought, of every word, of every experience, of every human being from Adam down to you today and he can keep it all distinct here. He knows it all because he is omniscient. And he may be the ancient of days, but his memory doesn't slip like yours or mine. He knows us, folks. He knows the secret sin of your past. Now, you may not like this. You may want to fire me in our business meeting next week. But I've got sins in my past that I would be petrified that you would ever know about. I haven't always be, been the angelic person I am today. I've walked down a pretty ugly road. I could blame it on my past. I could blame it on my breeding. I could blame it on my mama or my daddy that I didn't know. I could blame it on all kinds of other people, but the bottom line is I walk the road. I have to give account for all of it to God. He knows every bit of that. And I'm just going to presume that since he knows, you don't need to know. But guess what? Every one of you have things in your past you're still ashamed of also. And Christ has forgiven me long ago for all of that. But I want to tell you, it's one thing to have it forgiven by God. It's another thing to forgive yourself and to not continue to live in shame about it. He knows all about our past experience. He knows about our present. He knows what's going on with us right now. Sometimes we say to one another, you can't imagine what I'm going through. Maybe we couldn't. But God can, and God does. You can't say that to Jesus. He knows your present pressures. He knows your present temptations. He knows your present trials. He knows this very minute what perhaps no other soul on earth knows about you. 
He is wonderful in his knowledge of us. But guess what? He also knows about our future, right? You knew we had to go there. He knows our past. He knows our present. He also knows our future. No earthly counselor anywhere, no matter how good they are, no matter how godly they are, they don't know what's going to happen to you five minutes from now, let alone five years from now. No counselor can boast that he or she is aware of the future of the person he or she is counseling. But our Lord knows what is ahead of us. He is able to see the future and to guide us through the landmines that the enemy has already dotted our future landscape with. The landmines are already planted. And Satan can't wait till you get there and to step on one of them. But Jesus knows where they all are. And he's the one who can counsel us through that. So the earthly counselor must ask to know about your need. But the wonderful counselor knows your need before you ask. Let me give you a second contrast. The earthly counselor hopes that he or she can help you. The wonderful counselor knows that he is able to help you. Every pastor, every uh, spiritual leader, godly uh, leader is called upon from time to time to counsel people who are dealing with difficult issues. I'm not the best counselor. I'm not the most, uh, what's the right word? Understanding. My tendency when someone tells me they are struggling with this particular sin or that, you know what my first response is, though I have learned to hold it in. When they tell me what it is, my tendency is want to say, well, stop it. If it's a sin and you know it, stop. Just quit. Well, sometimes that might be what we need to hear, but... But all of us who, who get into counseling situations, we know what it is like to pray and ask God to give us his insight. Help us offer some practical, helpful, biblical advice. We hope to do that. Every counselor that lives hopes to be able to help you. But I want to tell you, the wonderful counselor mentioned here never has to search for the right answers. He is the answer. He doesn't just have to direct you to the answer. He will direct you to himself and his word. For he is the answer. Consider this. Those who have tried him give their testimony about him. In John chapter 6 we find these words, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And so many others who have tried, who have fled to Jesus, the wonderful counselor will testify and can testify that Jesus did have the answer because Jesus was the answer. He has the words of eternal life. He can handle every situation you face. Those who have not tried him, however, 
are invited to do so. Did you know that? If you've never looked at Jesus as the answer for your problems, your struggles, your dilemma, understand you have an open invitation from him. It's Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It may not sound very restful. It may not sound very helpful. It may not sound very comforting when Jesus says to take my yoke upon you because a yoke yoked two oxen together. Okay? It was heavy. It was wooden. It was a beam placed on their shoulders. That doesn't sound very restful and helpful. There's a whole lesson there, an amazing lesson that we will not go into this morning. It's a wonderful invitation to be yoked up with Jesus. He is the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. It doesn't matter that he already has 99 sheep safe within the fold. He cares for the one that is still lost and hurting. Is that you? He came to this world on that first Christmas long ago to reveal the love of God for the human heart and the human soul. Now he tells you, he invites you to come to him. The enemy will tell you, oh, you could never be forgiven for that sin. Oh, Jesus doesn't have time for you because he's so busy with others. Understand, you need him. He invites you. He longs for you to come. He calls you to come. He is the only one with the rest and whatever it is you stand in need of to offer your troubled soul. So people who have come to him testify of the blessing. Those that have never come to him are invited to do so. A third category are those who have come to him but then turned away from him. I want to tell you they always regret their decision. You'll never hear anyone say, you know, I wish I'd bailed out on Jesus earlier. You'll never hear anyone say, oh, the best day of my life was when I left Jesus behind and lived for myself. In fact, this is what Isaiah 48 says. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Some of you maybe have stepped away from the Lord and his direction in your life. Oh, you're not into wicked sin. You're not into open uh, rebellion. You're just not as committed to Christ as you used to be. You're just not as committed to his church as you used to be. You are not walking in the way that you know is right like maybe you used to. And I know there's not a one of you that would say, this was a good decision of my life. Well, I understand Understand that the earthly counselor hopes he can help you. The wonderful counselor knows he can. And he gives the invitation to you. As the songwriter wrote, come home. Come home. 
You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Oh, sinner, come home. Let me give you a third contrast. The earthly counselor tries to give you an appointment. Oh, I've got this big bad problem. Yes, well, the counselor can see you January the 20th. We have an open spot at 2.30. What are you supposed to do until then? They hope they can give you an appointment. They try to give you an appointment. But understand this. The wonderful counselor is always available. Night or day, 24-7. God is always listening to you. Now understand, he's not an errand boy or a cosmic Santa Claus to come at, at your beckoning just whenever you want to use him for your answers. But understand, when you're in real trouble and you cry out to him like Simon Peter, when you've had enough faith to step out of the boat but not enough faith to stay above the water and you cry out to the Lord, he is the one who can lift you up and out before the waters swallow you up. He told us to call on him. You know there's about three different categories of things that he promises he will always answer. I, I wish I could go into all of these, but we're already out of time. He answers the request for conversion. For someone who has been spirit-led and convicted to come to Christ for salvation, he's never put you on hold. He answers. You have need of conversion today. You can be saved within the very next second if you'll give your life to Christ today. The request for conversion. The request for cleansing or the request that comes from, from a conviction and confession of sin. He will instantly forgive you. You tell yourself that he won't forgive you because you've called on him more times than you can even count to forgive you of that same sin. But like a, a dog returning to its vomit, as a pig returning to its, its, uh, uh, the mud and the slime of the pig pen, we go back over and over again with the same sin. But understand, he is always willing and ready to forgive us when we confess, even for the hundredth or thousandth time. He will always answer the request for calm and for comfort. Your heart burdened, your heart troubled, he's always ready to give you peace. He even says it later, the Prince of Peace is one of his names. Did you know, counselor, another definition of a counselor is not just someone to comfort you, but it is for someone to be your advocate. That's why we call a lawyer a counselor. They represent us. They stand before the law for us. And Jesus does exactly that. Let me give you number four. The earthly counselor charges a fee, right? The wonderful counselor paid the price with his blood. He's already paid the price. Professional counselors charge a fee for their service. And they have to do that. These people are not pastors or ministers. Their only income is from those that they seek to help with their counseling services. And there's always a fee attached to that. 
But understand, there is no fee you have to pay to your wonderful counselor. He's paid it all for you. He offers you what only he can give to you. He is your counselor, your comforter, your advocate who stood before the law. And we always remember again the words of the songwriter, in my hand no price I bring, simply to the cross I cling. That's the payment. He took our crown of thorns. He wore that for us. He accepted the nails in his hands. He did not fight and try to resist them. He took our punishment and received it willingly and I believe also joyfully. He did all of this for us at great price to himself. Now he calls us to come to him, to turn to the counselor, to turn this Christmas season It sometimes seems so lonely, sometimes so empty, sometimes so sad. And he says, turn to me. I am your wonderful counselor. Do you need direction today? Do you need help dealing with a problem? Are you trying to make important decisions in your life or help others do that? There is only one who can help you. And it is Jesus. Listen to what this anonymous author said. Socrates, the great philosopher, taught for 40 years. Aristotle taught for 40 years. Plato taught for 50 years. And Jesus for only three Yet the influence of Christ's three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of teaching from these men who were among the greatest philosophers of antiquity. Jesus painted no pictures, yet some of the finest paintings of Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci received their inspiration from him. Jesus wrote no poetry. Still, Dante, Milton, and scores of the world's greatest poets were inspired by him. Jesus composed no music. Still, Hayden, Handel, Beethoven, Bach, and Mendelssohn reached their highest perfection of melody in the hymns, symphonies, and oratorios they composed in his praise. Virtually every sphere of human greatness has been enriched by this humble carpenter of Nazareth. His unique contribution to the race of men is the salvation of the soul. Philosophy could not accomplish that, nor art, nor literature, nor music. Only Jesus Christ can break the enslaving chains of sin and Satan. He alone can speak peace to the human heart, to your heart, strength to the weak, and give life to those who are spiritually dead. Now is the time.
to come to the wonderful counselor. In him you'll find peace, strength, direction. And if it is your need today, you can find eternal life. Father, thank you that your son Jesus, the child that was born oh so long ago, was the son who was given. Thank you for giving him, for freely offering up the very apple of your eye, the only begotten of the Father, in order to make the way of salvation for us. Father, forgive us for living so much by the advice and the counsel of the world when the wonderful counselor has offered himself, the one who is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, the one who can give us the direction we need, for he is the answer. May we look to him this Christmas season and every season to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.